All right, all right, all right. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. So every single week I look around the world, I look at my awesome network, and I try to find those beautiful diamonds. I'm constantly traveling the world. Well, not these days. But in my years when I've been traveling the world, the most fun I've always had is meeting outstanding people. Many of you know that I've had the pleasure to work with some of the greatest minds in the world, and I'm constantly looking to learn. I am always trying to be a great student and always trying to learn how I could serve people better. In the world of networking, in the world of business, I've learned that service is important. And when thinking about service, uh, just there's one name that always comes to mind, Mr. Ron Kaufman. Ron and I managed to connect in um, Singapore a few years back through the speakers, um, the, the APSS, the Association of Professional Speakers of Singapore. And I learned very, very quickly that out of all the speakers that were there, not only was he the leader, but he was also one of those guys that was actually not officially a member. And that was something that taught me about leadership. It taught me about really this standards that a human can have. Uh, this beautiful man has not only uh, written incredible books and many, many programs about customer service, but has really helped revolutionize the way Singapore as a country is. The way Singapore Airline became one of the biggest leaders in the world in an airline is because of this beautiful man. He's on the top 25 who's hot speakers, which I don't even know what that means, but I'd like to get on that list one day. So today, Ron's going to share that with us. And his book and program, Uplifting Service, has made a massive difference in thousands of companies and maybe hundreds of thousands of companies around the world. But I know it's made a big difference in our company and in my personal life. So it gives me a great pleasure to invite a friend, a mentor, an incredible teacher for so many around the world, Mr. Ron Kaufman. Hi, Ron. <laughs> Hi, Gil. It's such a treat to be with you. You know, when you said you're traveling around the world, you are. We're just doing it virtually. And I can see already in the chat, we've got people here from Africa, from UAE, from, U from Russia, from Singapore. I'm just delighted that we've got a, a nice global representation. And I know that through Facebook and in the weeks ahead, you'll be sharing this with other people. So whoever you are, wherever you are, whenever it is, good to be with you. And thanks for spending some time with us today. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us. I know how busy you are currently um, serving the world, you know, and making sure that um, the challenging times are upon us and ahead of us. People understand that customer service, customer care, or truly the root of making a difference in someone's life is what's going to help us stay strong during these times. So first of all, Ron, I want you to tell me like, and tell us a little bit more about the journey because Service is not a simple industry to get into. Maybe you could tell us a little bit more about your personal side. Why did you actually get into this line of, of a topic? Ah, okay, good, good, good. Um, way back in earlier days, when I was uh, an enthusiastic young man, the enthusiasm has stayed with me. The young has sort of matured over the years as it tends to do in a human life. I was very much involved in a sport called ultimate Frisbee. In fact, my high school was the second high school in the entire world to know the rules of the game. And so we created a team and I'm quite a small guy. I wasn't playing on any other major sports team within the school, but I could play on the ultimate Frisbee team. And when we graduated and we all went off to college, we started our ultimate Frisbee teams in the different colleges. And because I spent two years overseas in Europe and in, in traveling all over the world, I ended up taking the sport all over the world. And I share this with you like as you know, really early beginning because the first rule of ultimate Frisbee is called the spirit of the game. And what the rule says is that the players on the field are responsible for the quality of play. It's not up to the referee. In other words, yes, you're, of course you're going to compete with each other. It's a game. It has points and things like that. But the spirit of the competition itself, well, that depends on all the players. And that whole sense of diplomacy, even on a competitive landscape, I then took into something called citizen diplomacy. So I ended up taking groups of Americans, young and old, to China 
and that was before China really opened up. And then to the Soviet Union, back during the era of glasnost and perestroikas, that was all transforming into a very different future. And, and that, again, was bringing the spirit of, hey, you know, we can be all in this together. And then 30 years ago, in 1990, the country of Singapore was looking to redevelop its entire economy away from low-cost manufacturing and low-cost data and call centers, which were all going to China, all going to India, all going to the Philippines, and they had to come up the value chain. And they realized that was going to come through value-adding services. Hmm. But the population needed to be educated to be more responsive, more proactive, more collaborative, not just do as you're told and follow the process and don't make a mistake. That's good for factories. That's not good for customers. And so I was invited for a week back in July of 1990. At the end of the week, they said, you're a pretty creative guy. You know how to get adults involved. Of course, I did that for my Frisbee festivals. And so I started inventing training games that would get adults involved in learning and get emotionally involved in actually delivering a better service experience. And then the one week became a month, became a year, and it's been 30 years now. My entire adult life has been based here in Singapore. And over those 30 years, I've become known as a global guru in the space of uplifting service. Hmm. That's very, very exciting. I know today your, your, your family is somewhat involved in the business. You're still doing uh, a lot of, well, not now, but you've been really big on traveling. And one of the things I admire about you the most is that you managed to always show many of us workaholics how you could still deliver a lot to the world and still have an amazing life. You know, <laughs> I know that scuba diving is a big part of your life. It's, uh, you, you're still able to manage these beautiful passions, which is something that many, many of the speakers that I know in the professional uh, organizations forget that. They forget to oh. kind of create that balance and serve themselves, you know, yeah. care about themselves. Right. What Take that good care. Right. <laughs> What, what, what is that, um, you know, your little hack about that or your ritual to enable you to, to take care of yourself, to serve yourself, yeah. to not be all about others all the time? Because I love serving others, but it's important to not forget that if we're not strong, we're not going to be resourceful enough for others. Mm. Well, keep that question because we're going to talk about, you know, whether there really is any self that you want to take care of that actually is independent of others. But that, that let's save that for the philosophical part of our conversation here. I, I prepared a couple of slides just to be yeah, able to please. help you answer. Would that be all right? All right. Of so you know, here, we, here we are. You're seeing the slides now, right? Hey, so, that's me. Yeah, hey. Oh, I love that guy over on the, the right-hand side of the screen. I mean, you know, what a mensch. And, and there he is in this conversation together. I'm delighted to be with you. And, you know, you mentioned that I'm known around the world as this service guy. And what makes this picture interesting is it, it's at the airport bookstore. So I have been in and out of airports more than 100 times every year for 35 years. And so during this particular era of human life where we're, you know, grounded, it's really a joy to be able to reach out on Zoom and touch so many people. But, you know, what I want to show you is that in answer to your question, like how do I do the personal and the business? It depends a lot on who's in the personal. And this is my wife, Jen. And she is just, I couldn't do what I do or be who I am if it wasn't really for the magnificence of this human being in my life. I, you know, the level of gratitude I have is just off the charts. You also mentioned that I'm a scuba diver. Well, I met her scuba diving. I was down in Australia looking for whale sharks and, you know, looking for manta rays, like, you know, that one that's above me in this actual picture. And Jen that is took bigger that than picture. you. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm that's the one on the bottom. There. I'm the one on the yeah. bottom there. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, Jen and I really share this incredible passion, which involves getting on the road and going different places. The Maldives happens to have turned out to have been our favorite, but, you know, we get to share that together. And, and this idea of service, it penetrates every part of our lives. Because even when we're diving underwater, our, we have a hobby within the hobby. We look for trash. 
We literally enjoy finding garbage and then going, that doesn't belong here on the reef and pulling it up off the reef. This is one of the most dramatic pieces I've ever found down there. But again, it was Jen who took the picture. So we're, you know, we're constantly living this life together. And I've got the, you know, the added privilege of this amazing daughter of ours. Her name is Brighton. And, and, you know, she's now in New York City, but she was recently with us here in Singapore for a while. And so in answer to your question, like, how do I get to do the business side, but also take good care of the personal side, it, it really helps when you got the right people on the personal side with you. I, uh, it, to me, it's always one of my first questions with people because, you know, achieving success is not just because of this business ability. We need to have that balance. It, it is about finding this beautiful partners in our lives and it's about being able to serve them. I love being of service of my wife and I know uh, with certainty how, how much you are in service of your family because I have felt that as being of a part of the extended family of the community of speakers. We have felt that from you. We felt that service. We felt that care. I know that care is something that you've, in recent times started going much, much deeper into. And mm. in, 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 a, in, a, in a recent uh, event, you were able to share with us a little bit the difference between service and care, because for me, they're actually very, very similar. But I loved how you were able to break it down for us. And just to kind of help that, help all of us get things started, maybe you could tell us a little bit about why, how you see the difference, because now you're like, you're the professor of customer service and care. So tell us. Great. Well, I'm, I'm going to pop over to slides again to help answer this one. And thanks for the compliment about being the professor of service. I wouldn't say that the world knows me yet as a professor of care, but I like the way that you frame it. Because if you think about this idea of how do you recognize what you care about or someone else cares about? How do you take good care of what matters, what matters to you, what matters to people in your community, to our society, to the human species, to the ecology of the planet. It's remarkable that there isn't really a program or a curriculum for that in school. Hmm. That we're graduating young people to go out into the workforce and, you know, they think they know all kinds of productivity rules and tips and techniques and tools and tips, but they can't answer the question, what does it mean to be a human being? Hmm. And, and so I think that there's something really missing here. And so I've been thinking about that for a while and you pointed to it correctly. There's a connection between this idea of serving and this idea of caring. So let me, let me show you what I've, I've kind of discovered over some, some study and some time is, is that this, what underlies the desire to serve somebody, what underlies the desire to get served by somebody is that there's something that you care about. Now, you may not actually care about the person you're serving, like if you sell cigarettes or something like that, but then you probably care about your family and putting food on the table, or you care about having enough money to educate your kids, or you care about you know, the holiday that you're gonna have. And so you need to serve somebody in order to take care. But in a more authentic way, it's great when you actually are serving somebody you do care about. And when it's one of those situations, then there's something else that underlies care. And that really is at the core of what it is to be human. That's really at the, you know, the most essential level of what moves us to want to do anything in life. And, you know, as I've been looking at, it, I realized that that has to do with love. What do you think, Gil? I, I, I like that connection to love. I love people very, very much. But if we go a little bit deeper in, into this, Ron, because, you know, I'm, I'm surrounded by entrepreneurs. You know, I know that you're, you're doing a lot for the world, but most of my community are entrepreneurs and they need to go deep into this right now because in my opinion, having cool. great service and care right now for their customers, that's the Got only it. way to survive what we're going through. So this is so, such an important topic now, especially during COVID. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Gil. Let me take this then a little bit further, right? We've, I'm gonna show like what is actually the connection between service and care. Mm. So we gotta start with what is service really? I mean, service is another one of those topics that's not well taught in school, which is kind of a, as far as I'm concerned, a case of educational malpractice. You know, we have institutions that say, you're well-educated, now go off and have a good life, but people can't explain what does it mean to serve somebody else. And so the definition I created is that service is taking action. 
Now that action could be face to face, it could be over the phone, it could be online, it could be at the roadside, it could be in your office, in your home, but it requires some kind of action. Service is taking action. The purpose of the action is to create some value. So service is taking action to create value. And you know, the moment people hear that, they go, yeah, that makes sense. Well, what's at the heart of that? Right at the heart of that is, is this idea of human well-being. In other words, what makes something valuable to someone is that it contributes in some way to something that they want, to something that makes them feel more, more well. Now, that could be that the value you've created is you answered a question, or you solved a problem, or you provided some training, or you uplifted their spirit in some way, or you taught them some new skill that they didn't have. But service is taking action to create value that contributes to someone else's well-being. Okay, now what is care? Well, care also didn't have a good definition. And so here's the one I wrote. Care is concern. What is concern? Attention with some intention. So care is concern for the future well-being of someone or of some tradition. So when you think about your children, for example, and you say, I care about them, you don't only care about them in this moment, you care about them in the next and the next and the next and the next. Or if you say, I care about the well-being of humanity on a very large scale, then you're caring about our future. So services care is concern, is services action to create value, care is concern for future, and what they share in the middle is this phenomenon of human well-being. A really shorthand way to say it for the entrepreneurs is simply this, service is care in action. Now, on one hand, that's simple, but I just want to point out how substantial it really is. Because if we go back historically and we look at the derivation of the word serve, the earliest version of that meant slave. Serve oh, was wow. to be a slave, right. And that's why people say things like, the customer is king, which makes me subservient. Or which is why you get people saying, I don't want to be serving somebody. I want to be a professional. As if a professional doesn't take action to create value for someone else, which is a better definition of service. So what we've done here is we've liberated the idea of service from being something lowly or something subservient or something that makes you less than anybody else. No way. Now we're saying that server is the creator of value. Well, that's the source of it all. That's the fountain of well-being. And that's a very esteemed position. Now, Gil, that's why I called the book Uplifting Service. What we're mm -hmm. doing is not just uplifting the experience for the customer. We're not just having the service provider feel more pride. and We're dignifying the whole idea that human beings should be in service to each other. And there's one other piece I want to share. We've also liberated here the word care. If you go all the way back to the earliest derivation of the word care, what it means is to grieve. It means to attend to somebody who's wounded and dying, sick and going to die, old and getting ready to pass away. That's the historical root of the word care. No, that's not what we're talking about today. Today, what we mean is, hey, services, care in action, care is to encourage and enable and contribute to the well-being of someone else. So there you have it, a connection between these two of things, service is care in action. That's what we're really doing as entrepreneurs, as individuals, as family members, as community members, as society members, if you wanna make the world a better place. I love it so much, wow. Service is care and action. That's great. And so I wrote that down because I got to take that into my company. And tell me, and I know you're, you, you've been busy during COVID time. Can you maybe share some very, very simple actions, you know, except for people being able to read your book and take away what they can from it. But what have you seen that some companies have just done to keep their heads above water, to keep their suppliers, you know, Many companies, including my, my, my own company, our sales completely stopped. Our suppliers are not happy. Like, how can we use, the, and I really believe that service and care is the solution here. Like, if we yeah. just became a happier world, you know, this shit would not happen. Sorry for swearing with my podcast, I'm allowed to. But what could people really do 
to take action. Like, you know, think about it this weekend and that's it. Monday morning, they kind of think they, they take action. What, what, give us some examples. Sure, sure, sure. Thanks, Gil. Um, I'm going to go to one of the most fundamental phenomenon that distinguishes human beings from every other creature on the planet. Okay. We have language. Now, I'm not saying that dolphins don't have languages and whales don't have languages and lions and tigers and bears don't have languages. Of course they do. But, but they don't have the ability to use language to evolve language. They can have a conversation, but they can't design the next conversation that they're going to have. Humans can do that. And especially as entrepreneurs and, you know, the way the commercial world has evolved over the past couple hundred years, we've seen this whole idea that, you know, what you say is what's really important and how you speak and get your message out. And you need an elevator speech and a killer USP and, you know, get out there and pitch. And that's all about the speaking side. But the answer to your question of what people can do, especially in this era, when so many people are so emotionally disrupted, is the other side of language, which isn't the speaking, it's the listening. Language is not just about pitching and speaking, it's about better listening to what does the other care about? What are the concerns of someone else? Hmm. Where is it that the well-being of another human being, whether it's a customer segment, whether it's a supplier community, whether it's colleagues who are on your team, whether it's a spouse, that just being authentically listened to, and boy, let me tell you, my wife will tell you, I'm no professional in this space, but I'm learning. And I'm recognizing that listening to the other, that other half of language, has been incredibly undeveloped. So we teach people presentation skills, but we haven't really made apparent how important it is to have good listening skills. So if you need to reposition your business, if you need to recalibrate your offer, if you need to redesign the way you are in the world or are going to be in the future, and you want to create value for other people, you want to serve them and thereby get value back so you have a successful business or an identity, you better be listening to what other people are concerned about. Hmm. What does somebody else care about? It's So, you know, something I remember you and I have had a conversation in the past that... Um, was very, it really touched me and it resonated with our company because in order to provide better service to our, to our community, we had to start inside. We had to start with the team itself. We had to make sure, hey, is the team serving each other? And, you know, the first thing we did in beginning of, well, middle of March when COVID really hit the world, I, I stopped and I said to my wife, we need to review our culture in the company just because I don't think this is going to go away anytime soon. We need to just review the culture and let's see like what's really important for us and how do we hold on to that during whatever crazy stuff happens in the upcoming future. And we, we had three very important things. The first one was kindness. I wanted to make sure that my, my, my team internal external kindness was an important one. Second one was resourcefulness. And the third one was gratefulness. And we, we made sure that we continuously remind our team of this, that this is important for us to have inside the company and to our suppliers and customers. How can companies just like my company or other companies out there take service maybe a little bit more seriously than they are right now? Because many companies in the world are now thinking about themselves. Like, you know, how do we survive instead of like thinking, how do the employees feel right now in this stressful time? And how does everybody else feel? How can they make service a more integral part of the culture? Well, I like where you started with that whole question set when you said, you know, we turned to the internal culture of the organization. And historically, if you look, let's, let's use the word departments. I mean, it could be divisions, it could be teams, but you know, you got the finance people over here, marketing over here, sales, delivery, etc. They all fight, especially during crisis times. Well, there you go. You've already pointed exactly what I'm going to go after is that each of them have sort of, you know, risen up in terms of their 
proficiencies, their technology, their responsibilities, maybe it's even their KPIs, right? So, you know, how are they going to be evaluated? Even their compensation formulas can be tied to, you know, very specific performance indicators within that, if you will, silo. Yes. So, th so then when you want to have a cross-department meeting, you can get, you know, blaming or pointing the finger or that's not my job, that's your job. <laughs> But if we take this idea of listening and we bring it into the culture, then you'd have a department start by saying, you know, I, I want to take a moment here and, and really listen carefully. What is it that you guys are trying to achieve? Hmm. What is it that you really want to make sure that we all avoid? Let me ask you another question. What is it about the way we're working right now that actually works for you. And you want to make sure we, we do that, you know, like even double down on that because it's good, but Hey, let's be honest. Is there anything about the way we interact with you that um, makes it difficult for you? And then when they start to answer that question, you don't respond with the defensiveness. Well, we do it that way. We could, you go, tell me more, <laughs> tell me more, tell me more. Now, if you can model that from your department, then it kind of makes sense that they would also want to know, in the other direction. And when you get these two departments who start sharing with each other, listening to each other, this is what we need, this is what works, this is what you're doing that gets in our way, this is what we really like, then you can open up the space. Remember, we said humans can design a conversation and say, hey, rather than arguing, let's have a conversation about other ways that we might work together that could actually be better for both sides. Whoa, now what you've done is you put history in history and you said, let's invent a future by having a, a different conversation in the present. But mm. you can't do that without the listening component. Wow, that could be a really interesting conversation between the departments. Definitely service and care is going to play a massive role. Uh, I'm uh, I'm excited to go a little bit deeper into this. How right. how can we how can we serve more right now? You know, if we have some entrepreneurs that are saying right now, well, customer service, yes, but I don't have any customers. Can customer service and care be used as a business development approach? Well, absolutely. Uh, you, you know, any business will only thrive if it creates value. And the value has got to be received by someone. <laughs> and the someone's got to value it enough that they, in partnership with the service provider, give value back. Mm -hmm. Now, normally that's called, they pay a price, right? And you have a commercial transaction, but not always. So for example, sometimes you might create value for someone and then what they do in exchange is they create more value for you by publicizing your offer to their community or by sharing your resources with other people or by you know, giving you a testimonial. That, that, that's, that's at the level of customer advocacy, not just customer loyalty, which is already above customer delight which is already above customer satisfaction. So you can see that there's this whole progression here. And by the way, customer satisfaction is like the lowest level, just avoid a complaint, hmm. right? That higher level is get a really happy customer, delight. Then another level is have them actually trust you to be able to want to come back to you in the future. Well, now what you've got is a sense of loyalty. In fact, they want to help you. So now you got advocacy. And, and the level beyond that, Gil, is when the two parties realize, you know, who you are and the way you are, I want to be part of that. Now you actually get a partnership. Now you don't do that with every customer. I'm not saying you should, but understanding as a business that getting from one level to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, it, it comes by creating more and more and more value. Now that doesn't mean giving a bigger and bigger discount because it's got to flow both ways then what you're building is a partnership in service, creating value for each other, whether that's with your colleagues or in the example we were discussing between departments or with your joint venture promotional partners or with your paying customers. 
Mm. Now in the world today, what people value, big change. I saw a really good example of that the other day when one of the major global airlines sent me an email saying, we get it. Now, this is an airline in the past that focused on luxury, 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 luxury. Like, we will give you the most. And now they're saying, we get it. Safety. Safety, 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 safety. And they were already explaining how they disinfected the planes and how they had didn't sell the middle seat. But now they've come out and they said, anybody who flies with us, we will automatically insure you for the cost of any COVID-related medical care that you may need as a consequence of your travel, including paying for whatever quarantine facilities you may be placed in by the place that you arrive for as long as you may need to be there. Holy moly. I mean, that didn't even exist before COVID. And can you imagine an airline competing with another airline? Luxury, 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 luxury. We'll pay for your insurance coverage. What's that got to do with anything? Except that the world has changed and people's concerns have changed. Hmm. That's very, very impressive. And I love that. I think there's so many golden nuggets in what you've just covered and how people could, instead of complaining of, I can get more customers they need to think, how can I serve my existing customers better? Or how can I maybe adapt? And, you know, my, my unique selling points could maybe be a little bit different now. And it always comes down to the service. Are, are there things that you've seen in the past that companies are, have failed in? And especially right now, if they're not careful, failing at this part of customer service will potentially lead to you disappearing. Because... Right now, a lot of companies, including my company, are focusing on keeping our heads above water. Like whatever storms are gonna come up, we wanna survive. Is there something that big companies have, yeah, they failed a little bit at, you know, and it, it, they're so big, but maybe it's the little guy, pops, the little entrepreneurs. We can't afford to maybe miss, like mess up on such customer service activities. Well, Part of the answer to your question is, you know, pure business economics. So the reality of needing to dramatically trim your overhead or reduce your expenditures. Um, the ability, if you can, to reach out to certain customers and offer a substantial discount in exchange for earlier payment, for example or recognizing that there are certain customers that are going to come back, but right now they're in a deep compressed mode. And instead of saying to them, you know, you don't have any money right now, so we'll serve you when you do, you lean into those and go, we know you don't, you can't buy anymore right now, but right now we're gonna serve you more. So, for example, one of our largest cut and longest customers is in the hospitality industry, and they had to go into a complete shutdown. So I reached out to the CEO and said, look, why don't I do something for your leadership team? I mean, don't worry about payment. It's just going to be, I want to do something for them. And so we talked about it for a while, and we decided to do a webinar series. I thought, you know, maybe we'll do two. By the end of the conversation, it was six. At the end of the series, it was seven. Now, I used it as an opportunity because I wanted to develop all of my upcoming courseware in the area of care. I mean, in the area of service, I, we've got that. I've got the principles and the building blocks and the rules and the roadmap. We can help any company build a culture of service. But what about care? I'm still, I'm still developing that. So we created a series called Built to Care. And he invited his entire global leadership team to come onto a series of webinars, two hours every week for seven weeks, which forced me to very quickly build the curriculum, which of course left me at the end of the seven weeks, like, hey, I'm a I'm hundred miles down the road from where I was before. And by the way, it was with 230 people every week. So I also got a lot of feedback about what was working, what didn't work, what was confusing, what they liked, what they didn't like. And now we've completed that. And when these times have passed and when their business is doing well again, do you think they're going to keep wanting to work with us? <laughs> so if you can afford it, it, it difference, of course, 
if you can afford it with time and energy, now's the time to lean in to the client. And the last, I mean, you know, so number one is get your numbers right. Number two is be hyper generous, which is actually, you know, you're talking about kindness, kindness and resourcefulness and gratitude. And I know you, Gil, you want to be generous. So be generous, especially for the people who may not be able to afford it right now because it'll be a big surprise. And then the third one is be careful. Be careful. And what I mean by that is that a misstep in terms of political inappropriate expression, a misstep in terms of um, you know, saying something that could be misunderstood, depending upon your business, can at this moment, given social media the way it is, it could take you down. Hmm. And, you know, I've heard of people who have friends who are professional influencers. So that's, that's great. That's an amazing position that didn't exist a decade ago, where you can have such an Instagram following or such a social media community that somebody will pay you to advertise whatever it is that they sell. And you do a little promotion for it and, you know, everybody wins. Unless your identity suddenly gets connected to something inappropriate and then poof like that you become a you know you get my point we've seen that happening a lot so be careful mm. i love how in your answer you've helped me understand that actually customer care is uh, an actual massive part of business strategy because the, the way you've given the answer whether it was finance whether it's influence it's actually all connected to care because giving a discount is doing good customer service in some cases because you're caring about the customer. I love that. Um, would you say um, that today businesses that are listening to this, the, the, the average entrepreneur, um, should they see customer care is the number one focus in a company that wants to thrive during crisis time and why? Yeah, thanks, Gil. Uh, I think it's more today and especially for tomorrow than only customer care. Mm. Colleague care, mm. let's, let's use that to mean the entire internal culture. Community care, mm. like where does your business operate? Where are your customers located? What community do you actually depend on in order for your business to exist? And how do you want to contribute to that? And then when we, you know, when we talk about that, then you're talking, for example, about the young people who are growing up and what role model are you showing? Or what internships are you offering? Or what training are you making available? Or like in my case, I'm developing this whole curriculum. We're redeveloping our curriculum for more direct to learner online education. And I know that businesses are gonna love it because they're gonna to wanna to know how do I improve my service? Or how do I deepen my culture of care? And, and that's fine. But what about for people who are in high school who may not have the money to study that? But on the other hand, boy, would it be useful for them to get it right at that point in their lives before they go out into the work world. So then it becomes incumbent upon us to find a way to contribute to the community in a manner that doesn't sit back and go, well, they don't have the money, so they're not our customers. No, no, they're, they're in the community. They're going to be our future colleagues. They're going to be our future customers. And by the way, they have families too with moms and dads and, and they'll go get a job somewhere and they'll have a boss. And, you know, imagine if they can go out into the workforce saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I got this certificate from Uplifting Service. Ron Kaufman taught me about care. And so, I, well, what'd you, what'd you learn there? Oh, I learned about taking care of people and having concern and listening well. And you get a boss going, well, that's different than the other three people who applied for the job. Tell me more about that. But then it becomes incumbent upon us to find a way to make that available and accessible to people who may not have that credit card right now. Mm. That's taking care of the community and taking care of the future, Gil. It's, it's so important to be able to give it to individuals right now who are looking to just develop themselves in order to uh, get a better job in the future potentially you know if, if someone who's at a job wants to start a company a part of being an entrepreneur i think two things customer care or just care in general and networking build relationships and care about them is to me a great formula for being an entrepreneur if 
if we got people listening right now who are like, okay, I'm buying into that. I need it. My company is not good with care. Is this something that you recommend people to do starting maybe in like themselves? Like how can I bring more customer care into myself, my family, my, my, like, how does, how does a CEO of an owner of a company, maybe the small companies, how do they make decisions? And because it needs to be, it needs to start, I believe from within. It needs like, if I want customer care in my company, I got to become a better person. I got to start serving people in a better way. I'm assuming you agree with that, you know, cause I just know you, it needs to start from within. What can people do as a daily habit? Like, you know, now we have time. People are stuck at home. We're not as busy, stuck in traffic. People have time to improve their habits. What sort of habits can a, a person have today to improve themselves? Great, great, great question, Gil. You, um, I'm going to answer that in a way that connects it to what we've been talking about and also points to, you know, what... What, what Jen and I are developing with our team for the future. And I'm not answering it like, you know, do yoga or, or, you know, clean up your diet or that kind of thing. I want to connect it back to that idea of listening. If you're, if you're, if you're a leader and you want to do better in the future, then you're going to need to create more value than you already are now. And what people value is dramatically shifted by the financial changes in the world, the medical changes in the world, the educational online changes that are happening in the world, the political changes in the world. There's a lot of stuff to care about. Remember, care is concern for future well-being. So as a, as a practice, what I would propose is to start, as you say, with your yourself and take a moment and actually pause and reflect on it, maybe even write down what do I care about? What do I care about? About my body, for example. What do I care? Maybe it's more sleep. Maybe it's, uh, you know, more physical activity. Maybe it's nutrition. Maybe it's stress. What do I care about my family? Okay, write it down. Is it the ones you haven't talked to or who are in another city? Is it the, the, the older ones that you may not even be able to get to in the final years of their life? Is it, is it your relationship with your brother-in-law or your wife? You know, whatever it may be. It, look at it in terms of your, your, your community, like your neighborhood or your, your work community or your, your sports club or your musical group or your, your Facebook, you know, gathering, right? You know, the community. What do you care about in terms of society? <laughs> What's going on in the world today? What do you care about in terms of the future of humanity? Which means like there's been a history, we're in a very unusual moment. Of, what do you care about? What do you care about ecology? What do you care about life? Okay. If you take a moment and actually take seriously reflecting through those different categories that I just referred to, even if you imagine writing some of those things down, it's going to deliver for you a very robust sense of, whoa, I'm actually concerned about a lot in the world. Now, all of that is preparation for then, you know, being with it, respecting yourself, sitting with it, giving it enough time to go, boy, that's, that's a big life. <laughs> and then go ask somebody else, what do you care about? And listen, and they'll tell you something. And then you might go, tell me more about that. And listen. And then if they stay only within one area, like my kids, my family, blah, 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 then you might go, that, that's great. Thank you so much. Tell me, what do you care about in terms of, you know, the way the neighborhood is? And then listen. You know, what, what do you notice that you're, you're caring about more just in terms of your own vitality? And then listen. The human being that opens up those kind of curious ears to the concerns of another human being <laughs> It's rare, Gil. <laughs> it doesn't happen very often. Ask spouses. And I'm, I'm talking to myself here, right? I can spend a lot more time asking my wife a question like that and then just shutting up and listening <laughs> rather than being the typical guy that I am that takes whatever she says and goes, well, let me help you solve that problem. <laughs> There's value in the listening. And I, I'm willing to spend this time talking about it because if you're an entrepreneur, 
the value creating offer that you might come up with mm. needs to find a niche, needs to find a space where there's more people than that one who may have the same concern. And it may be a concern that the person is talking about because it's not currently being well addressed by the offers and the other service providers, or maybe even in the past by me and my company. And that can give me a cue, a clue into, hmm, what might we offer here that would be listened to as a valuable contribution of their lives? And before you know it, your business is reconfigured, you're going in a new direction, you're inventing new possibilities, new offers with them, and your business can start to thrive again. How does it, what's the starting point of that? Not what you think you should become, it's what somebody else would appreciate if you become that. Hmm. Right, that is beautiful, beautiful. I, uh, I look forward to listening to all of this recording again. It's the most beautiful thing about Zooms. These incredible and useful conversations that are packed with golden nuggets are recorded. Ron, something I love to ask, you know, friends and mentors and people that I interview is more personal stuff, you know, because we've all gone through difficult times. And, um, you know, as, as, as all entrepreneurs, I'm sure you've had a challenging time in your life that maybe resembled what some are going through right now. What was that thing that brought you back up? What was that thing that got you to stand back up and say, you know what, this too shall pass? Well, first of all, I had a grandmother, my, my dad's mom. We called her Grandma B. The B was for Rebecca, um, who taught kindergarten for 40 years in New, York City, in New York City, 40 years. At one point, she was named Teacher of the Year for the city. And she only had one child, my father. And he had five kids. I'm number two out of the five. And so, in a sense, he gave her a private kindergarten. Hmm. Right? And we five kids, we have the benefit of this amazing woman, huh? but we also had the privilege of going to actually visit the kindergarten sometimes. And so we'd be the special kid there because, you know, the teachers are grandma, right? Yeah, connections. <laughs> oh, man. And we're probably, you know, I, I, I can still see, visually see the moment there, but I think I was still younger than all the other kids, than the kindergarten kids. But I got to experience my grandma being nice to everyone. And when two kids were fighting, she'd take them apart, but she wanted to make sure both of them were good at the end. And every time the parents were dropping off the kids, she wanted every single parent to go off into their life and, and know something happened in that quick interaction where they would feel better going off into the morning of their day. And when, when the parents came to pick up the kids, I don't care how much of a little rat nugget that kid was during the day, she told that parent that their kid was the most wonderful kid. And so the kid went home into an environment where the parents were more nurturing and loving to the kid. And so, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, Gil, I don't even remember what your question was, but my, the answer that you've pulled out of me was this one about, I started with Spirit of the Game and Frisbee and this whole idea of generating your interaction with other people in a way that enables them to feel, you know, a little more uplifted. Now I remember your question. It must have been that in those darkest times in my own life, other things happened where I got this glimmer of uplift. Mm -hmm. I, got this, I got this moment of somebody else take, smiling at me. I got somebody else making some gesture. And God knows in the world today, there's enough people who are suffering and struggling that they could really appreciate you being the one that reaches out with that upbeat, optimistic, altruistic generosity. Would you call it kindness? You know, sharing that gratefulness in a way that they feel more grateful too. I love that. Thank you. Well, it's nice to hear your story about Grandma B. Uh, I think that uh, it's a good lesson to take to just uplift and. It's interesting because, you know, when, uh, when COVID hit and, uh, and our business was hit very, very hard, we're in events, we're in tourism, it hit very, very hard, of course. 
the first thing I did, I called people that I admired and I saw if I could somehow help them. Mm. And, uh, my, uh, my team was a little bit upset with me because, hey, like, how about you spend some time on us? But to be honest, I actually didn't know. I didn't know what to do. I, I couldn't say, hey, we're in events, we're in tourism. <laughs> I can't fix it. Um, so I thought, you know, as, as maybe I need some time to kind of something to come out of me, uh, I just served others. And literally, I just every single day, I put myself in one of the rooms here in, uh, in place where we lived in, in Bali. And I just called people and I just served them and served them and served them. And not only did that give me a lot of energy, positive energy, just to, to serve people that needed the help because I knew I could support them, but it also gave me a lot of ideas. It gave me a lot of ideas and, you know, what worked for them. Hey, maybe that could work for me. And I could, started to connect the dots. So that's always helped me during difficult times. And I've definitely had my share, my fair share of challenges in, in my life. This is not necessarily the biggest, but it's the one that's affecting us the most because yeah. we're, we're being affected together. And, you know, I'd say that services played a big role in my life during difficult times, especially in the last 10 years of my life where I've understood that um, if I'm going through a difficult time, it's, maybe it's not a bad thing. It's, maybe it's actually a gift. Maybe I'm supposed to learn something. Mm. What I did is instead of focusing on myself and focusing on, oh, why is it happening to me and blah, blah, blah. Mm. I was like, okay, mm. well, maybe I have some time to serve others. Um, yeah. That, that's always really helped me. So these days, if, if people want to be able to help you, Ron, mm -hmm. what can we do? If people want to be able to help me, Wow. If I, if I or any of our listeners want to be able to make a difference in Ron Kaufman's life, what could okay. we do for you? Okay. Well, I want you to know, as I mentioned, that this development of care and my concern that there isn't a lot of well thought through, um, if you will, philosophically grounded curriculum about why do we care about what we care about and how do we take good care of what matters to ourselves and others that in the same way that what i just said i mean you know that sounds kind of abstract right it's not like math it's not like science it's not like like learning another language it's it's, it's a more um philosophical orientation to the way to live a good life well, when I started studying service 30 years ago, that was also pretty abstract. I mean, if you were in the call center, then there were telephone scripts and things like that, or, or people would say, you know, serve other people the way you wanna be served, which is actually really bad advice because other people may not be like you. <laughs> so they don't really wanna be served the way you wanna be served, they wanna be served the way they wanna be served. And I realized that the shallowness of curriculum in that part of our shared world needed to be addressed. Now, I was, of course, as you know, very, very fortunate because Singapore came along and said, well, would you please come over here and, you know, help us? So uh, I just want to use a few more slides here and, you know, show what I did and what it is that I'm doing. So, yeah. you know, here's where we left off a moment ago with services care in action. And now you can see that right in the middle of the service side is something that I call the house of service. And for people who are listening to this, it's, it's just an image of a house, but, but that house didn't exist before. And, and I kind of, I flourished it, I developed it, I built it with three major components, a foundation of service education, service principles, service definitions, service understandings that people or a team or a company or a society can use to continually improve service. What does that mean? Create more value for other people. Okay, great. So that's the foundation. And then there was kind of this protective roof of leadership behaviors. And we developed something called the seven rules of service leadership. And all of what I'm talking about, you can find on our website and I'll give you the URL at the end of this. And that, that house between the roof that's protecting it and giving direction and the foundation of what are we talking about and how to do it, you've got this great big middle section, which we call building blocks. These are the things that actually influence the culture of the organization for the people who work there. And there are 12 of them. And I'm not gonna 
read them out loud here, but again, anybody interested in this can go to the website and learn a whole lot more about how an organization, it could be an SME, really small little company, it could be a department within a company, it could be an organization or a larger organization. You know, how does that actually work? And that's the house of service that we've already built. But now, Gil, like I told you I was doing in that webinar series for our big client, we're building a whole nother set of curriculum. And I'm referring to that now as the garden of care. So yes, you build a house of service, but where does that house sit? It sits somewhere on the ground. And I use the icon of the earth to represent the garden of care. So what's that look like? Well, there's gonna be these four major areas that kind of give fruit to a whole new world of curriculum, a whole new world of learning, not about service, but about care about what does it mean to care? Why do we care? How do we take good care? And at the very center of that, Gil, is this fundamental phenomenon called being human. Now, on this podcast, I don't wanna go further into the curriculum itself because partly it's still being built, but also it gives us a chance to have another one at another time. So when you ask what could people do you know, for us, well, you could help tell the world that you know, this guy, Ron Kaufman, he's working on something here and it sounds pretty interesting. So how can we stay in touch with you? If you go to our website, which is ronkaufman.com, and you just hang out there on the homepage for a moment, a little pop-up shows. And if you're not already getting our Insights newsletter, then just type in your email address and we'll send it to you. We're not gonna spam you. It's not gonna sell the list, obviously. I, that You wouldn't appreciate that. You wouldn't value that. And That'd I be bad service. It'd be bad service, right. We're not gonna do that. But if you want to know more about me or you want to get on that list, go to ronkaufman.com. Or if you're already on the business side and you say, look, the care thing is not so interesting to me, but the service value thing is, then you can go to upliftingservice.com and you'll get the same pop-up and you'll go ahead and just put in your email address. And by the way, when you're at that site, if you're responsible for a big organization, because remember, Gil, we started this whole conversation talking about building a culture of service. And so there are some people who are going to listen to this who say, you know, yeah, I, I get all this at the personal level, but I'm responsible for the company. I'm responsible for the whole organization. Then you can download there a white paper called Engineering a Service Culture Transformation. And, and there's so much stuff that's available that's free resources that this is just one of them. But I, I think it's worth letting people know what they can do is, you know, you can actually, you want to help? What you can do is you can help let the world know that this guy, this strange, unusual character who's in Singapore called Ron Kaufman, who had a grandmother who taught for 40 years of kindergarten, and he's in the ultimate Frisbee Hall of Fame for taking it around the world. And he's one of the founders of the Speakers Association in Singapore that's called Asia Professional Speakers. And yes, he is a member. It's just he's not a certified speaking professional because I think what I do stands for itself. But the reality is you can help me by letting your world know that this guy's doing something interesting. And if you see or hear like this podcast, share it with other people. And that would be more than enough. I love that. Thank you. Well, I would definitely recommend everyone who's listening to this today, tomorrow, the next day, um, to get in touch with you. I know that, first of all, highly recommend get the book. Get the book. Uh, I don't know if you have the audio book yet. I'm, I'm, I, I do. hope. Of course. I, I, so I got to find the audio book because for me personally, I'll be very honest, to go through a full book is very, very difficult. Maybe it's a dyslexia. But if you have an audio book, I'm going to be so excited. But I know that through your book, what I honestly did do a few times, because I know you gave it to me at, and I, I flipped through and I read some chapters. I didn't read it like a novel. I read right. some chapters like, how can I implement that today in my company? So it wasn't a beginning to end sort of book. It was right. like, that's relevant to me today. I'm like, took a picture, sent it to my team. I was like, guys, you guys got to read this part right now. Uh, that's Jill, always I'm, really helped me. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much for saying that. When we wrote that book, it's called Uplifting Service. I was so passionate to say, look, I don't want to write a book that you have to read from beginning to end. I need somebody to put it in the bathroom and read a few pages. But those few pages have to deliver value. So every chapter starts out with a little story, so it's interesting, 
teaches something and then immediately goes to, here's the way you can implement this. Here's the action you can take if you are the leader. And here's the action you can take if you're the service provider, you're on the front line. And those two connect with each other. So thanks for saying that about the book. You know, just, just to be absolutely clear that I'm also always listening and looking to improve the audio version of the book. It's on audible.com and it's the same title, Uplifting Service. But I was so busy at the time, I hired a professional narrator to do the book. And you know what? He did a pretty good job. But I did get feedback from people who'd been in my events, they'd seen me on YouTube, they'd heard me on a podcast, they'd been in one of my programs, and they said, we'd rather hear it next time in your voice. Mm. So mm. I want you to know that a promise I'm making right now is that when the new books come out and we create the audible version, I'll take the time to deliver that added value to people who recognize or want to hear my voice. And I'll, I'll, I'll put the effort in to create the value for others. I love that. Thank you so much. Well, one advice I can leave you with is consider the Blinkist recording with your voice. That's only 15 minutes. And I, I'm a huge Blinkist fan myself. I listen to an average of five books a day. Uh, and those are books in 15 minutes. And with many of them, it's actually the author's voice because they got 15 minutes to put it together. And why not? You know, it doesn't take nice. so many hours. But that's exciting. So Ron, thank you so, so much for being with us today live on, on the podcast, on social media. A lot of people around the world are going to be seeing this. I'm excited that I can add value to you because you've continuously added so much value to my personal life. My wife and I are a huge fan of, of, of you guys and what you do and everything you stand behind. So I look forward to continuously serving you and what you stand for. And I look forward to following you and what you write about care. Because as a human being, I truly, truly care. And I want to learn how I could do even more with that. Thanks, so, Ron, thank you so much. Lots of love to you. Yeah. Everyone who's listening around the world, connect with this beautiful man. Follow him on social media and definitely sign up to his newsletter.